Hey everybody, thank you so much for listening to the podcast version of my radio show, Famous Dead People, the only show that resurrects famous people from the grave and asks them all the hard questions. Uh, Welcome, if this is your first time listening to the show. Uh, I want to let you know that this is originally aired as a radio show on Radio Free Brooklyn. So when you hear me say things on the show, like when we air and things like that, that's the reason why you're hearing that. Uh, You're about to hear my episode where I interview Jackie Kennedy, played by comedian Megan Gray, and Robert Ripley, the guy behind Ripley's Believe It or Not, played by comedian Sam Rogal. Uh, Guys, if you like the show, you gotta rate us on iTunes, you gotta give us that five stars, you gotta subscribe to the podcast, leave a comment, that shit helps a ton, tell your friends about it, and uh, if you want to shoot us an email ever so you can hear an interview with your favorite Famous Dead person, hit us up at FamousDeadPeopleShow at gmail.com. We love hearing from you guys, and we'll try to have your favorite dead person on the show as soon as possible. And now... Enjoy Jackie Kennedy and Robert Ripley on Famous Dead People. Famous dead people. It's time. Famous dead people. Time to start the show. Famous dead people. People you know. Famous dead people. Famous dead people. Famous stories stuck in the head. You're listening to Radio Free Brooklyn, and this is Famous Dead People, the only show that resurrects famous people from the grave and asks them all the hard questions. I'm your host, Jared Berenstein, and we've got a fantastic show for you today. Coming up later on Famous Dead People, we'll be talking to former First Lady of the United States, Jacqueline Kennedy Onassis. But first, we have here in the studio the man behind the Ripley's Believe It or Not franchise, American cartoonist, entrepreneur, amateur anthropologist, Robert Ripley. Mr. Ripley, thank you so much for being with us here today. Oh, thank you for having me, Jared. Um, now, for those, uh, for those of my audience out there that might not, uh, they might somehow have missed mm. the Believe It or Not phenomenon. Maybe mm. they're just a wrong generation for it. How would you characterize the comic strip books, short films, radio show, museum that all exist under the Believe It or Not umbrella? Well, I've always had a fascination with the weird and strange, the the mysterious and unexpected. Mm-hmm. And I've dedicated my life to finding these people and things and creatures and places and collecting them in a sort of living museum, if you will. Okay. And so this is a fascination that started when you were very young? Was it something that you were... Born with or did something happen when you were young that uh, uh, created this fascination? Even as a child, I would wander through the woods near my home and, and look for even a strange rock and take it home to my father and say, Father, do you see a face in this rock? Mm-hmm. And he would believe it or not. I understand. Um, so now correct me if I'm wrong, but uh, Believe It or Not was originally published um, in 1918 under the title of Champs and Chumps. Yes. Is that correct? That is correct. So um, what was the inspiration for that original title and what delineates that from the way that the show would eventually, the way that the comic would eventually be? Well, as I was exploring, I would sometimes come across something so fascinating. I'd go, oh, this, this, this animal or, or this statue of liberty made of cheese, that is a champion. Mm-hmm. And other times I would come across stuff that just, oof, just, it was interesting and mysterious, but didn't really... 
it was a bit of a chump if you catch mm-hmm. my drift. It wasn't – it didn't cross a certain threshold Understand. of being interesting. You I know? understand. Well, well, my understanding was that in Ripley's Believe It or Not, one of the things that you would talk about would be like – incredible sports accomplishments and yes, things like that. Yes. I assumed that Champs and Chumps was a reflection on that, that it would be, you know, uh, the people who had run the mile really fast mm-hmm. or, you know, somebody in a baseball game who had screwed up so badly he would be a chump. But no, you're saying that oddities themselves would be Champs and Chumps. Yes, you are completely wrong. <laughs> okay. I don't know where you got that. Uh... Mm-hmm. Oh, no, that was just my assumption and, you know, that we know what they say about making assumptions. Yes, you either believe it or not. <laughs> That's not what they say about making assumptions, well. but uh, <laughs> move on from there. Um, so, uh, you know, we talked a little bit about the the way that you were drawn to oddities, you know, mm. growing up as a child. Did you have, you know, you, you've been collecting oddities and researching oddities for so many years uh, of your life. Did you have a favorite oddity or a favorite story from all your years of collecting? Well, <laughs> I think that my most famous oddity is my favorite, which is, of course, the man who can put his bottom lip above his nose. <laughs> that, what a man. Okay. A true champion of interest and fascination. The very symbol of my temple to oddities in Times Square, New York, <laughs> mm-hmm. which is open for business. <laughs> I really would the, uh, like to take this opportunity, if you don't mind, no, not a just Go to ahead. talk about the famous Times Square Ripley's Believe It or Not. Mm. If you are coming to New York with a family and want to spend $50 a head to waste <laughs> an hour and a half, I cannot recommend Ripley's Believe It or Not enough. Mm-hmm. I mean, I understand that there's not just the New York... Times Square location as well, right? No, there's one in Niagara Falls that looks like a building that's fallen on its (laughs) side. But you can either believe that (laughs) or not. So the man, let's go back to the man with the the lip that can stretch over his face. Um, How did you you find this man? Do you remember what his name was? I believe (laughs) (laughs) some men... Don't need names. Mm-hmm. Some men don't need to be categorized. I'm sure that man had a name. I'm sure it was a fascinating name, mm-hmm. but his name is is meaningless when when compared to his ability to put <laughs> his bottom lip nearly above his nose. I mm-hmm. mean, what a man! And a, a simple farmer, mm-hmm. from what I could tell. When I met him, he was wearing overalls and a straw hat. <laughs> so from what you could tell, like you didn't actually get that information from him. You he just and assume- I did not talk that much, <laughs> to be honest with you. It's hard for him to talk when his lip was a above, stretch above his nose, yes, of yes. course. Mm. Uh, so you so you find this man, mm-hmm. you know, who you assume is a farmer wearing overalls. Yeah. Um, you know, do how is it that you approach him to be a part of this of of, of a legacy? Like obviously you've seen so many oddities at this point. Of course. Well, at that point in my career, I was a bit famous, mm-hmm. and uh, I had heard through my sources of this man, and I went to his small town in Missouri, and I met him, and I said, Sir, I can make you the 100th most famous person of all time. Really? That was the claim that you made to him? I believe he is. Mm-hmm. In my opinion, he's at least the 100th. <laughs> Most famous, at least American of all time. Mm-hmm. Do you mean at the time, or are you saying like now, like contemporary? I would say ever. Oh, wow. That's my personal opinion. Okay. But there are 45 presidents, mm-hmm. so those that's 45 <laughs> okay. right there. And then, you know, in the other 55, surely that man is somewhere in there mm-hmm. of all time. Okay, that's fair. And he looked at me and he said, uh, Mr. Ripley, I, I'm not sure I believe it. And I said... 
or not. <laughs> and he signed a contract, mm-hmm. and I essentially owned him for the rest of his life. Oh, wow. Every story has a positive um, ending. Now, so many oddities that you've discovered over your life. Was there anything that you found that was too sensational for the public, something that was too shocking mm. that maybe even you did not believe? Oh, or not. Um, <laughs> you know, many people in my sources would send me some of the more sexually odd Itties, if you will. Oh, so people would like, like, like correspond with you, and they would send you oddities. Oh, yes. Once I became famous enough, people would mail in things, or sources, or photographs, or as time progressed, videotapes. And mm-hmm. you know, I would view these, view these uh, more sexual oddities. Okay. And go, this isn't good for the public. So I made sort of a private museum. Oh. For myself and my close friends. Okay. And we would watch. Uh, have you ever seen? Boardwalk Empire. Uh, Yeah, I have seen Boardwalk Empire. Do you remember when they would watch pornography with a reel-to-reel projector? Yes, Yes, I do. That's sort of how I would spend a lot of my social hours with friends. Okay, so you would bring people over and you Mm -hmm. would say, you know, um, I have these these new oddities that I can't show to everybody. Um, But, you know, you're a friend of mine. Like, why don't you come in and we'll we'll check it out a little bit. Exactly. And like like a silent movie setup, we would have a man playing piano. And a man on slide whistle and a man, mm-hmm. you know, uh, with a, uh, you know, a, a stick and a tin cup and mm-hmm. making all the sound effects. We had great Foley artists. It was mm-hmm. a real great time. Now, without getting too graphic, sure. do you mind describing, for example, like a sexual oddity that may have crossed your desk over the years? Of course. Uh, there was a big movement around that time in, in what was called distance sex, where... Two people would try to have sex standing <laughs> as far away from each other really? as possible. Yes. Okay. I mean, I can see how this would be, I mean, difficult, but also, mm. like, there's really only one factor in how easy or difficult this would be, right? And that would be how long your penis was, right? Right. Of course. Okay. Believe it? <laughs> Or not? Mm-hmm. I mean, were there other things that people would incorporate into distant sex, or was it just find a man with a long penis and have sex with well, him? Well, that was certainly a big part of it. Another mm-hmm. part was sort of um, uh, 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 if 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 a woman could jump and engage and then get away, you know, because the key was maintain. Like it was sort of like an average distance thing, <laughs> you know. And if they could maintain that throughout, the mm-hmm. co- I mean, again, this is a dark and mysterious <laughs> practice and mm-hmm. something I didn't think the world at large in the 1920s and 30s was ready for by I, any means. I think that was a fair assumption for you to make. Um, now, one of the things that I found fascinating about your uh, biography was that your career, your, your career as you're building up uh, notoriety is a real cornucopia of mm. different pursuits. You know, yes. in addition, so you have your initial comic strip. You were also a semi-professional baseball player. Mm-hmm. You were a travel writer. Yes. Uh, you became a handball champion in 1926. Yes, I did. Uh, you wrote a book about the rules of boxing. Mm-hmm. Am I am I forgetting anything? Um, let's see. I was a uh, a, sh- a boot black in a <laughs> train station. Um, I briefly uh, was the mayor. Of uh, Milwaukee, Wisconsin. You were the mayor of Milwaukee, Wisconsin? For about six hours. It was a very strange, Whoa. odd, uh, mysterious adventure. Oh, that sounds right up your alley. Would yeah, you mind exactly. getting a little bit more in-depth into that? Well, I heard that the mayor of Wisconsin, of Milwaukee, uh, was an amateur magician. And I thought, a magician mayor? <laughs> Believe it or not. <laughs> so I went to investigate. And 
When I did, I realized that he had a tendency to die for long periods of time. Well, oh, so um, I just want to spot you really quickly. Yep. So this is a, a, a magician mayor mm-hmm. who, not a magic trick, no. would just die for small lengths of time? Well, back in those days, the ability to monitor a heart rate was not quite what it is today. Understandable, yeah. So there were periods of time where the man's heart would simply appear to stop. It baffled the people of, of Milwaukee. It baffled me. I went there. Uh, he suddenly just stopped breathing and leaned back in his chair, and I thought, Robert Ripley, you're now the mayor of Milwaukee, <laughs> Wisconsin. So I got a lot of legislation pushed through for really? like six hours. Yeah, a lot of stop signs got put up. Oh, uh, wow. I uh, really strengthened the infrastructure of Milwaukee. Just in those six hours. Yep, six hours later, he pops up, doesn't remember a thing. Oh, my. I tipped my cap and flew back to New York City. Oh, my God. So, so if we went into the historical records, would we be able to find... Uh, documents that you had signed, you know? Um, uh, well, I signed them as him. Oh, So I there's see. really not much of a paper trail. Understood. I'm sure if you researched it, you wouldn't find any evidence of this at all. I but mean, I, I say this, you've got it? two options. You can either believe, believe it, it or, or, not. or not believe it. Yep, that is your phrase. Um, now, I'd like to focus a little bit on your travel writing uh, mm. for a moment because it was something that you pursued you know, extensively. Um, in 1919, you married a woman named Beatrice Roberts. Beautiful woman. Um, and then, um, you know, as as was part of your uh, travel writing career, you go to Europe to cover the Olympics, but you go by yourself. And then two years later, you take a trip around the world by yourself mm-hmm. to write a travel journal. Uh, I mean, if you don't mind me asking, like, you've just married this woman. Yes. Why did you decide not to take your wife along on any of these trips? Oof. Well, you know... <laughs> Beatrice was wonderful, mm-hmm. and uh, but you know, sometimes traveling is difficult and comes with stresses and 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 you know, uh, you know, back in that time, a marriage was more of a public thing, mm-hmm. and so when I traveled, that was sort of Robert's private time, I understand, as yeah. I would like to call it, and it gave her a chance to potentially explore meeting other gentlemen. He oh. gave me a chance to potentially explore uh, spending time with strange and mysterious <laughs> women of my travels. Mm-hmm. So maybe um, these are women that you would describe also as not just not, not being women that you would you were interested in intimately, but oddities and, you know, uh, 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 exotic examples of things that you could include in your uh, many books or comic strips or museums. Yes, exactly. Uh, sometimes I would go to a faraway land uh, like Saudi Arabia or whatever <laughs> that area was called <laughs> at the time. Uh, and, you know, you, you meet people there that I simply wasn't exposed to in my uh, American travels. And, and I'd go, well, Robert, <laughs> this is an opportunity, you mm-hmm. know. And if if Beatrice is, you know... Uh, plopping around near me, uh, it would have been more difficult. But like I said, uh, mm-hmm. she also had the freedom to explore whatever and whoever she wished while I was away. Oh, that's very progressive of you. I mean, I, I don't know if there are that many reports of open marriages in the way that you're describing, you know, from the early 20th century. Was this that common of a practice back then? No. Well, yes and no, I suppose, believe it or not. Um, <laughs> you could... You know, there were many people practicing it, perhaps, but it was kept very quiet. It mm-hmm. obviously wasn't accepted around that time by any means. And and so those who did it were 
quiet about it, so it's hard to tell numbers. I can't give you mm-hmm. numbers. Understood. You know? Well, I mean, at the time that you were dis- discovering this, like, mm. were you thinking, oh, this is a potential oddity? This is a potential thing that I could include in my museum? Can you b- believe it or not that some mm. marriages mm-hmm. include <laughs> include other other people besides just a husband and wife? Well, yes, and and it was something I explored, but my method for exploration wasn't quite as refined as I would have liked. I would simply knock on a door, and and if a man answered, I'd say, excuse me, sir, I'm Robert Ripley of Ripley's Believe It or Not. I'd tip my cap, Mm -hmm. and I'd say, do you and your wife engage in uh, sexual congress with multiple (laughs) partners, even though you're married? And, you know, that didn't work out well. I can imagine. In the 1920s. Mm -hmm. It was not a a good method of investigation. So I sort of just said, screw the whole thing. (laughs) And then, you know, I'd find a frog with three eyes and Mm -hmm. that really, that's what really... Then you'd call it a day. Yeah, that's what gets the people going, you know? I understand. Now, I'm curious about the way that you introduce yourself to the man in that hypothetical situation. Mm -hmm. Like, how often, how early in your career were you referring to yourself? Were you introducing yourself to people as... Ripley from Ripley's Believe It or Not. Almost immediately. Really? As soon as I came up with that that Ripley's Believe It or Not thing, I was like, this is going to catch on. Okay. You and know? Were, were people ever confused? Like, I don't, I don't know this, um, uh, this thing you're talking about, Ripley's Believe It or Not. Um, oh, of course they were. But every time they were, mm-hmm. every time they didn't know who I was, I would tell them. And then... Bang. New customer. Okay. Uh, you know, you spread the brand. That is, uh, yeah, it's a very, uh, I guess, primitive form of viral marketing. Yes, exactly. Okay. Now, um, in uh, in research and researching for this interview, I discovered that uh, one of your big breaks came when, uh, you know, newspaper tycoon William Randolph Hearst mm-hmm. decided to syndicate, believe it or not, in 17 of his newspapers. Yes. Uh, Citizen Kane himself. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know how how is it that you came into contact with William Randolph Hearst? Like that that he was able to to see your work and then decide to put it out in his papers. Well, Bill, sorry, <laughs> William Randolph Hearst. Uh, you know he was a difficult man, mm-hmm. as we all know. Like I said, Citizen Kane is loosely based on his life. Yes, and you can tell from that movie he's difficult to spend time with. Yes, he's a, a curmudgeon, if you will. So I thought. How do I befriend a man who has no friends? You know what I did? Buckle your seatbelts. <laughs> Took the man sledding. <laughs> <laughs> Worked like a charm. Really? An hour of sledding. We were best friends. He was calling me Bobby. I called him Bill. We were Bill and Bobby. I said, look, I have this cartoon. He said, say no more. I don't even want to know anything else about it. Mm. It's in 17 of my newspapers. Wow. I mean, believe it or not. You and show up You show up at his door with a sled. Yeah, with two sleds. This is, of course, I want to say years before the movie Citizen Kane came out. It was so. a lucky guess. <laughs> believe it or not, you know? Okay, you show up with a sled, and mm-hmm. you knock on his door, and you say... I say, I'm Robert Ripley. Uh, Ripley, Ripley, believe it or not, <laughs> tip my cap. I, uh, I said, look, I found these two sleds. I'm looking for a sledding pal. Mm-hmm. And he, ready for this? He darkens his face and turns down, and I think, Robert, you have just lost this man. Mm-hmm. He, he, only, he turns away slightly from the door, turns his head up, smile beaming like the sun. Okay. An, an ear-to-ear smile. And he says, I'd love to go sledding with you, Robert. Wow. Tips his cap, 
and the two of us took to the hill outside. There seems like to be a lot of hat tipping in that time. Was well, it, 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 uh, yeah, it was the 1920s. It seems like you, just, you would just punctuate anything like with a with a tip of the hat. Is that yes, almost uh, you know a tip of the hat back then? Is a nod? Is the current it's thumbs the, up? Maybe the way that we would use commas in sentences. Yes, exactly. Okay, that's fine. I might get halfway through a sentence, tip my cap, <laughs> and then finish the sentence. Let's <laughs> let you know when the breath is supposed to happen. Yeah. Um, can you talk us about like a little bit of your relationship with William Randolph Hearst after that? Like, did you continue? I don't want to say be being sledding buddies. You know, your business partners at this point. Yes. Well, and you know, as my cartoon, not to brag, but it was quite successful. Oh, yes. People obviously love seeing oddities and strange things. How else would I charge nearly $60 a head to get into my museum? Just to see, not even, have you even, I mean, in that museum, there's just sometimes just pictures of stuff. Mm -hmm. Sometimes it's just photographs on walls. Yeah, I mean, you're not going to be able to have the man with the lip over his nose. No, he's long in dead. Every, in every location. And even, like, even his bones, you're not going to be able to communicate with his bones that he had this ability. No, I tried to, when he did die, I said, what are you going to do with his, the flesh on his face? Because <laughs> I would have loved to have taken it and molded it and froze I mean, we have a wax statue mm -hmm. of him in the, and that's as good as we're going to get. <laughs> yeah. But anyway, ba back to me and Bill, sorry, William Randolph. <laughs> um, you know, he and I, as soon as you make a connection with someone through sledding, it lasts forever. <laughs> You know, the sled connection is really strong. And, mm -hmm. and even as he grew older and had, you know, his various scandals and, and issues and even the fight over the film Citizen Kane itself, uh, he saw me as someone he could confide in. You know, mm -hmm. he was also a fan of watching uh, long-distance sex. As, oh. As, uh, you know, he, was, he would be there with us mm -hmm. in that room and... Uh, have ink on his hands. He was very hands-on with the newspaper. Understood. You know? He had just come from printing the uh, the morning edition. He printed every newspaper himself. I find that I find that very hard to believe, believe. Yes, or believe. not. Okay, all right, that's fair. I walked right into that one. Um, so you <laughs> and he would he would be there for these long distance uh, sex videos. Sex videos. <laughs> well, films. I guess there were films back then because they were literally on film. Yeah. Understood. Yeah. Understood. Well, no, I'm I'm fascinated. I just uh, you know I don't know if that's common knowledge about William Randolph Hearst that he was that he was a part of the community of yours. Um, I'd like to talk a little bit about. You know, we touched upon this a little bit, how in in your museums, there's not necessarily the thing, the oddity that you found. Many times not. No. It's just a representation of the thing. Barely a, <laughs> barely a whisper. But that just goes to show, like, you know, the, the cartoons, as they are, you know, it started out as a comic strip. Mm -hmm. You know, they were just drawings of a thing. Not even a photograph. That you said existed, you know, and then you eventually move on to... Producing a radio show. Yes. Where uh, I just, Ripley's, believe it or not. Talk about stuff. <laughs> just, I talk about purely visual things. Yeah. So can it's, you can you give us a taste of like what, like, you know, uh, an episode of of uh, the, the radio show Ripley's Believe It or Not? I would just literally sit in a room, mm -hmm. not unlike this, and just talk into a microphone about things I've seen. Okay, like like give me an example. Oh. Let's say let's say we're in the middle of an episode of wonderful, the wonderful. radio show. Ripley's Believe It or Not, the radio show. <clears throat> Listeners at home. Scoot, scoot forward towards the radio. Why don't we just skip to the oddity part? <laughs> I don't know if we need. Oh, I'm all sorry, the, you didn't want the window dressing. No, I want to see. I want to be in the middle of the episode. Okay, all right? okay. Cut to the middle. All right. And I tipped my cap. Now, <laughs> now we move forward 
to a strange oddity I came across in my travels to the wilds of Florida, where I heard of a woman who had built an entire leaning tower of pizza out of pizza. I didn't believe it either, but then, or not, (laughs) I did. Because, in fact, she had it there. A towering structure of cheese and dough and bread and sauce, leaning at the exact angle. Why, to see it, you'd believe it. Or not. Now, Uh, I just want to stop you right there really quickly, because it just sounds like you are describing the thing that you are seeing or saw in the Mm -hmm. past. Is that an accurate representation? Yes, that's all I would do. I mean, listen, I, I... I don't know how this happened. I don't know how I built an empire out of this, <laughs> Real, honestly. But it just took off. I mean, I am. Mm-hmm. I was printing money. You know, like yeah. it just people will pay any at my theater in Times Square. People will pay upwards of sixty five dollars <laughs> a head to go. Do you know what's in there? There's a laser maze. There's a laser maze. There in... is a a a a essentially a room mm-hmm. with you ever see entrapment. Yes, with uh, Catherine Zeta-Jones. Yeah, and you Sean know the Connery? scene where she like goes through the lasers. Mm-hmm. There is essentially one of those. Okay. In Ripley's Believe It or Not, and what you do is you press a button on one side and it starts a timer. You crawl through the lasers. If you don't touch any, then uh, you touch a button on the other side, stopping the timer. That's it. It's and it seems like it doesn't really fit in the umbrella of oddities and exotic I can discoveries. Throw anything I want. <laughs> I can throw anything I want. They've already paid me almost $70 (laughs) a head. Can I ask you a question? I mean, this is a little controversial, but, you know, we're really getting into the the flexibility of what could be in a comic strip or book or museum or radio show. Mm. Did you ever make things up that specifically were for people to not believe? So are you saying that I ever put false yes. oddities yes. into my work yes. and then go, oh, you believed it, but you shouldn't have? Yes. You know, I'll leave that <laughs> question for the viewer. So okay. go, you spend money. Spend uh, almost $100. $100. On my museum or, or buy mm. one of my books, you know, uh, my books, which are $35 at Barnes & Noble. Mm-hmm. Just plop them on your coffee table. Uh, r- rifle through them and go, do I believe this? Mm-hmm. Is Mr. Robert Ripley tip of the hat? <laughs> is he lying to me? Mm-hmm. Or is he telling me or the is truth? He, or is he not believe lying it to or not. Um, uh, Going back to the radio show very quickly, one of the things that I found fascinating about it was not only was it specifically you describing things that you saw that were that were oddities, but you would, you know, because you had the travel bug in you, mm-hmm. you know, you would sometimes broadcast from these exotic locations. Yes. Like you would, you had a show underwater, you had a show in a snake pit, mm-hmm. uh, you had a show in a cave. Am, am I forgetting anything? Uh, let's see. I, uh, <laughs> I had a show in a barn. Okay. Uh, I had a show underneath a pile of dirt. <laughs> um, I had a show near a tree. Ne- um, all right. <laughs> I feel like we're getting less and less weird, like, as this list goes on. Let me me finish the list. Okay. I had a show with a bunch of dogs. (laughs) Okay. I had a show where I was uh, riding an elephant, Mm -hmm. believe it or not. I believe it. Um, I had a show where I was jumping the whole time. (laughs) Okay. Um, I'm just going to take a step back here. Why, again, it's radio. Yes. You don't need to be in these locations for people to believe it, you can make it sound like you're underwater. Like, you make oh. it sound like you're in a cave. I could, yeah. It's it's almost like I could have just lied all the time and just... <laughs> 
<laughs> recorded in the comfort of my own home. That's also something I could have done. And mm-hmm. the money would have been the same. Mm, I, That's I, the I, thing. I, 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 I'm getting the impression that maybe you only did this for the money. Like maybe this was all, you don't really have a passion for oddities. You just wanted to take money away from the common man. Is that fair to say, Mr. Ripley? You have two options. <laughs> can I guess? Can I guess what they are? Is it okay? Do you mind? Sure, sure. Take okay. a while. Stop. Is it that I can believe it or not? Yes. Wow. I can't believe I did it in one. You did How it. How about that? Um, now I got to wrap things up here, sure. uh, Mr. Ripley. But um, you know, unfortunately, you died at the age of fifty-eight. Yes. Uh, you had a heart attack just as your mm-hmm. television show was picking up steam. You only did one season of that. Yes. So you already dip your hand into so many different genres and disciplines for things that we could believe or not. Mm -hmm. Um, Had you lived longer, Mm. do you think you could have expanded it into even other territories? Maybe incorporating the internet, maybe incorporating mobile, that sort of thing? Oh, yes. Uh, You know, seeing the technology of today, I would have loved to have an app. Mm-hmm. where you could take a picture of something and send it to your friend and it would automatically fill in, believe it or not, you know? Mm-hmm. that's And then maybe people could vote on whether, whether or they not, believed in it. Yes, okay. and, and really hear from the people. Almost more. like an oddity Tinder, you know? Mm. Like you could swipe right for believe, swipe left for not. Yes, exactly. That mm-hmm. sounds great. And they would probably pay $150 for that. Again, sir, you seem amazed that people will pay for this. They just threw my whole life. People just threw money at this. I could say anything about anything. I mean, I did go to these places and mm-hmm. find these things and have a passion for exploring, but it, I didn't. I, oh, oh, there's nothing in that. It's just pictures. Pictures in my in my museum. You could literally just Google some of this stuff. And have the same experience as going to that place in Times Square. Mm-hmm. Or you could just throw your money in a bucket and mail it to me. <laughs> Believe throw it or money. not. Believe it or not. Mr. Ripley, thank you so much for being with us here today. We're going to take a short break. But when we come back, we'll be talking to former First Lady of the United States, Jacqueline Kennedy Onassis. Stick around. Hey, everybody. Just want to take a quick break to remind you to subscribe to Famous Dead People on iTunes. And if you're so inclined, rate us five stars and leave a comment. That stuff helps us out a ton. And feel free to hit us up at FamousDeadPeopleShow at gmail.com if you want a specific Famous Dead person on the show or if you have any comments or whatever. We love hearing from you guys. And lastly, if you really like this show and you want to send us some money to help keep us on the air, go to RadioFreeBrooklyn.com slash FamousDeadPeople and click on the Support This Show button. Thanks again for listening, and now back to the show. Welcome back to Famous Dead People on Radio Free Brooklyn. Famous Dead People, the only show that resurrects famous people from the grave and asks all the hard questions. I'm your host, Jarrett Berenstein, and we are here every Monday at 3 p.m. on Radio Free Brooklyn. My next guest was a style icon, a building preservationist, literary editor, in addition to being one of the most well-known and popular first ladies to have ever graced the world stage. Mrs. Jacqueline Kennedy Onassis, thank you so much for being with us here today. Thanks for having me. Now, it's and, really uh, great. Oh, of course. Um, and uh, first of all, let me say how sorry I am about uh, what happened to your husband, uh, you know, John F. Kennedy. It was really a national tragedy. Um, you know, the nation mourned with you that yeah, day. Yeah, it was a real dark time. Mm-hmm. And I have never stopped vowing revenge. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry. Um, really? Yeah. 
Yeah, I've never, I've never, not a day has gone by that I have not vowed revenge. On uh, on Lee Harvey Oswald. Oh, yeah. Well, if he did it or not. Oh, so you haven't I've, even gotten that far I mean, in the investigation. I've got a lot of theories. I've got my, my crew of first ladies. Uh, we're like a vigilante squad. Uh, uh, this this interview has started off at level 10. Oh, uh, so yeah. you and other first ladies yeah. are... Like a little detective squad. Yeah, we're a detective squad, and uh, and uh, we we meet every Wednesday mm-hmm. at uh, four o'clock. Um, and, and are there other crimes that you are trying to solve, or is just this one? Oh no, there's several. Oh there's wow, several conspiracies out there that oh, we are, that we are trying to track down. Yeah. Wow, this is. Uh, I'd like to get into a little bit more, uh, a little more into that later. But um, uh, before we go on, just I also want to say how sorry I am to learn. About your second husband's death in a yeah. 1973 from respiratory failure. I mean, just for one husband to die, it's so tragic. Ugh. I can only imagine how painful that second one must have been, you know, yeah. for you. And only 10 years later. So I'm sure that all my listeners, you know, also share my sympathies oh, for you. Thank you. Yeah. yeah. Ar- Aristotle was, uh, I mean, not in great shape. Mm-hmm. Uh, I can't say I was surprised at that. I mean, okay. It does not affect my sadness. But, you know, yeah, you got you to gotta live... You got you to gotta treat yourself. Mm-hmm. You got you to gotta live well. Gotcha. Yeah. Um, so I learned from your biography that you uh, you grew up in Manhattan um, mm-hmm. and Long Island in the 1930s. Um, is that a, a part of your life that you have fond memories from? Is that uh, Was that formative for you, would you say? Oh, yeah. But, I mean, the city was a lot different back then. Mm-hmm. I mean, like, how different. so? Oh, uh, it was uh, a lot cheaper. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can get around. Um, I mean, the trolleys, mm-hmm. the ponies. Uh, there was just an easy way to get around. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot less cars, mm-hmm. uh, and I mean, a lot, just a lot less, a lot of less stuff okay. around then back that yeah. time. A lot simpler, a simpler time. I got you. Um, you know, one of your many biographers described you um, as a uh, as an intelligent child, but also a bit mischievous. And this is a direct quote. Uh, he said that you were quote very clever. Very artistic and full of the devil. Oh, uh, yeah. Do you mind asking, like, what kind of trouble you would get into a young <laughs> Jacqueline Kennedy Onassis? Pranks. You know. Pranks. Oh, really? A lot of pranks. Yeah. Uh, I called the, I called those the jacks. <laughs> I, I'd go in. I'd, I'd do some jacks, uh, some pranks. Okay. Some, yeah. Some, uh, and, uh, I mean, it... I, the, it would vary from degrees of what what kind of pranks were. Mm-hmm. I mean, sometimes uh, uh, I, my dad, I would take his glasses and I would put like shoe polish in them. So he'd put mm-hmm. them on, like, oh, he can't see. Mm-hmm. Oh, that was great. Uh, just <laughs> buckets of syrup over doors. Oh wow. Yeah, it was like I was the original like double dare. <laughs> yeah. Oh wow. Exactly. Yeah. Oh. In in some pranks. And yeah. when, when that show eventually came to prominence, was that like was it was that a heartwarming reminder for for your younger oh, days? Oh, no, I was. Pissed. I oh, was really? like, hey, uh, get me, get me on board here. Get me, get me consulting because mm-hmm. I can tell you, uh, I've got better ideas than going through baked beans mm-hmm. right now. Understandable. Um, the yeah. original dare, uh, double dare. You heard it here first. Oh yeah. Um, and uh, just, just you know, before we continue, I just want to say how sorry I am to learn about you know your father's alcoholism and his extramarital affairs. You know, Oof. when you were that age. I mean, I hope that that and the divorce like weren't too painful for you as a child. Oh yeah, that's why I resorted to, to pranks. Okay. The pranks oh. were a big solace to I me. I see. I see. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, and I, you know what? And when I found out about the the dalliances of my father, you mm-hmm. know, I was I was glad I I pulled those pranks. I mean, mm. yeah. Uh, uh, I mean, it was also I, I resorted to pranks, uh, uh, to books, to fantasy, to fantasy mm-hmm. fiction, mm-hmm. Uh, all those kinds of things. I was, I was deep I just into wanna, it. Uh, I just want to go back one step really quickly. Um, fantasy fiction, like, was this something that you were 
uh, reading or were you creating fantasy oh, fiction? Creating, always oh, creating. Yeah, okay. I had a had a whole series where I had married Kaiser Wilhelm, and that was <laughs> you know that was a, a big thing of fan fiction to me. Big big mm-hmm. fan. Oh wow! Yeah. Um, big I mean, crush. Yeah, I mean, sure. They were they were the time they were, that was like a One Direction for you know oh, totally. people in your generation. Absolutely. Um, so after graduating from college, uh, after graduating from, from high school, sorry, uh-huh. um, you know, you attended Vassar College. Yeah. Uh, of course, and I read that you wanted to go to Sarah Lawrence, but that your parents insisted on Vassar because of how isolated it was, which I think is interesting. Like, why do you think that that was important for them? Like to keep you in that kind of uh, an, an isolated environment. environment. Yeah, I think they were afraid, uh, frightened of uh, of just like you know some of the jacks, some of like you know. <laughs> I mean, you don't f with the O. Uh, okay. Yeah, I mean, I which got obviously, a, which obviously I got they didn't say back later. then. Yeah, I didn't say that. <laughs> but that's something. I mean, I started saying mm. recently, and I apply back to those times. Okay. Yeah, it's like. So they felt like if they put you in a place that was like a, a like like in the middle of the woods. Yeah, quiet. Then the the destruction from your many pranks would be more contained. Yeah, I mean, mm. they knew I was a badass from like from immediately, <laughs> okay. and they're like. Like, oh, gosh, we got big plans for her. And mm-hmm. they didn't sometimes consult with me on those plans. So I was like, all right, fine, I'll lie in wait. I'm going to be like this, like, snake in the grass. And yeah, as soon as I get out of Vassar, watch out. Oh, wow. Yeah, so, strike. Uh, can you tell us a little bit about, you know, how things went for you there at Vassar? Like, did you did you lay low or were or, or did the jacks get out, as you would say? I mean, I tried I tried to keep it on the DL mm-hmm. always, uh, but that's not always easy. I mean, uh, when you're in, in school and college, mm-hmm. you know, one time we uh, we took this uh, horse and we put it in the dean's office. Really? It was great. Yeah. Animal House ripped it off. Another another another, another thing that was snatched from the hands uh-huh. of Jacqueline Kennedy Onassis. Exactly. Oh exactly. wow! One of those things. Um, I mean, so we were always putting things in the dean's office. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was big. Um, sometimes we would sneak in to uh, to like the chemistry lab, mm-hmm. and we would just you know, light it on fire. You would I, light the entire chemistry lab on totally, fire. Yeah, classic jacks. <laughs> <laughs> just, just getting in there, just stirring it up. Now, were you ever reprimanded for any of these pranks that you were pulling? Oh, oh yeah, they tried. They mm-hmm. tried to reprimand me, but you know, you can't, you can't keep this this Jackie Jacks mm-hmm. down for too long. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Well, I mean, I'm uh, I'm certainly glad that you were able to graduate from Vassar. I mean, I know that you eventually transferred to the Sorbonne in Paris for a oh, semester, maybe, and then yeah. George. George- and then Georgetown University um, is, and I hesitate to ask, is that at all related to the pranks that you could not stop pulling at your college? Yeah, definitely, definitely. Mm-hmm. They were like, oh, gosh, we thought this would be good for her, but it is not. Mm-hmm. Let's get her to France. Okay. Let's get her to start smoking. So you go to France yeah, exactly. and do the pranks stop Jacqueline Kennedy Onassis? They, 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 they change. Okay. Uh, uh, yeah. Like, the French have a very different sense of humor. Mm-hmm. I mean, their pranks are a lot more nuanced. Okay. Uh, yeah, sometimes it would be, you know, um, taking someone's cigarette and just, like, cutting it in half. So that right. it's, it's smaller than so they thought it would be. half the size of cigarette? Half the size, not bad, yeah. Not bad. They classic loved prank, it. classic they prank. They loved it. <laughs> it was like, what? Oh, <laughs> it was big. Uh, or, you know, um, you'd uh, uh, you'd just call the Champs-Elysees. You'd call uh, the, the Champs-Elysees. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, you mess up pronunciation. They thought that yeah. was hilarious. <laughs> Butchering their language to them was hilarious. Yeah, that's something the French still like, as, as far as I can understand. Oh, really? Okay. Where, yeah. How many times have you been there? <laughs> so then you moved to Georgetown. Yeah. And again, I, I, I don't want to ask, but I feel like I have to. Did you then bring the... 
pranks to your last uh, year of college in Georgetown in D.C.? You know, this was the year where I was like, I'm going to hunker down. Really? I'm gonna study. Yeah, oh, yeah. absolutely. Uh, so, like, I was studying art. I was studying uh, French. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, But, you know, pranks... There's always there's always a place for mm-hmm. pranks. That's okay. also something I would say. Mm-hmm. There's always a place for pranks. Gotcha. So always a P for a P. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Let's pause really quickly. Um, see if you can move that microphone a little bit closer to you because I feel like maybe I'm not going to be getting as much from you as I oh, want. Oh, sorry about that. That's yeah, okay. I was just I was just leaning back, putting my hands <laughs> behind really, my head, really just getting relaxing. Into the character. Yeah. Yeah. All right, that's a little bit better. But yeah, the closer you can get to that mic, the better. Okay. Um. All right. So now we're back into it, and boom. I understand that um, after you graduated uh, from college, you and your sister traveled through Europe together, uh-huh. uh, and you wrote an autobiographical book about it called One Special Summer. Um, can you tell us any of the stories that you know from that trip that you maybe made it into the book or didn't make it into the book? Oh, gosh, wow. Uh, my, yeah, my sister and I were close, uh, mm-hmm. and uh, we had a similar sense of uh, mischief. Okay. of wonder with the world. Okay. Uh, so a lot of some of the stories, oh, we went to India, we, we rode um, tigers. You rode, I'm sorry, you rode tigers in India? Yeah, yeah, tigers in India. We oh. rode those. Uh, we were like, what else you got? And they said, well, okay, we got we got elephants. I was like, great, we'll do that. Mm-hmm. We um, we put towels on our feet and we like just kind of glided through the Taj Mahal. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, you know, like almost like risky business style. Oh, we my. The, yeah, like uh, another another property, another property ripped from you. Yes. Did, how much of your later life was spent uh, in litigation for these things that you that you say maybe like you created in your early life? Eighty five percent. Really? Yeah, a oh lot my. of it. Uh, I was. Uh, I found my life reflected in so many movies, songs. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I, I'm just gonna I'm just start naming things, and you tell me if it is something that ripped uh, yes. something out of your life. Great. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jurassic Park. Yes. What, uh, where, yes. <laughs> really? Yes. Uh, my sister and I, that one summer, okay. we, uh, we, we, we found this piece of amber. Okay. Uh, and we were like, hey, hold on one second. There's something in here. There's a, there's a mosquito in here. Okay. So we, we got this. Um, we, we also sewed. So we got this needle. We put it in. Mm-hmm. We took out the DNA. Um, <laughs> like I said, you know, oh, that, wait, that you last pause, year. You, George... okay. pause you for a second. It really feels like you stepped a couple of steps there. What? All right. So you have a sewing kit. You, yes. you, you get... You use the sewing kit to access the um, pierce the, the amber, the, the, the pierce the amber, and you just extract the DNA. Yeah. Okay, and you're yeah, able. To... Like I said, I, I really hunkered down that last year, Georgetown. Oh, so, yes. um, okay, So that was when I really gained a lot of my knowledge of, mm-hmm. of uh, DNA. <laughs> Yeah, and jeans. Uh, and so my sister mm-hmm. and I, we uh, we created a dinosaur. Okay. Um, but, you know, it was just, um, it, it died very early on. So it was mm-hmm. very sad. Um, and so I'm choked up even talking about it. But uh, mm-hmm. but we did create a dinosaur. Okay, I'm just going to do one more really quickly. Um, the first Star Wars movie. Yes. Well, oh, uh, right, no, no, not possible. True. Not possible. Yes, uh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> oh, gosh. Uh, now, you know my dad's not a great guy, mm-hmm. right? Yes. We all know He's that. He's a bit of an alcoholic. Yeah. yeah, definitely. What you don't know is that he became a dictator in space. Um, you don't know if you know that. You don't right. even know it. Yeah. See, I find this a little bit hard to believe. Well, you know, <laughs> believe it or not. Yeah. <laughs> you owe me a dollar. Oh, sorry. <laughs> yeah. So, um, you know, going back to, uh, you know, your post-college uh, life, I do find this, the, the story of how you and uh, President Kennedy ended up falling in love. And correct me if I'm wrong, because you, you have an internship at Vogue, oh, yeah. you know, and, and you work there for exactly one day uh-huh. when your managing editor pulls you aside. And you can tell me if the historical record is right on this or not. Yeah. 
and tells you that you should quit and go back to D.C. because you're 22 years old and that's too old to be single. Is that correct? Yeah, that's exactly what happened. Yeah. Oh, my God. It was it was different back then. Yeah. yeah. You needed uh, you needed that ring on your finger yeah. to then kind of just, you know, give yourself permission to do stuff. And yeah. I was like... F, F this. Now, it's, it, you just, you just uh, seem to me to be such a confident and strong personality. Um, how did you take that piece of advice? Like, like oh, I slapped her. Really? Yeah. Oh, man. I got, 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 a, got old righty out. Mm-hmm. That's what I call my hand. Okay. My right hand. Old righty. <laughs> and, I, and I just smacked her. Right in the uh, face. Yeah, absolutely. And I was like, I don't need this place. Mm-hmm. What, was uh, your, what was your relationship like with the editor of Vogue? Oh, before that, great. Okay. Uh, until she told me that I was too old to be single. And okay. I was like, well, I'll show you. Mm-hmm. Go, I'm going. I'm out of here. Now, I, I understand this. that the movie and the book, um, The Devil Wars Prada, came out uh, long after you were deceased. Yeah. Had you been alive, would you also have sued the creators of that for infringement as well? Oh, yeah, definitely. Really? I mean, that was exactly what you know what I was going through. I, mm. was, I mean, Anne Hathaway and I are, are very similar. Oh, yeah. People often said that. Actually. Oh, yeah, totally. Mm-hmm. And so uh, old Annie Hath and me mm-hmm. are often compared. And I, that's just one of the ones, just one of the examples, yeah. something I've been through. Yeah. So, um, so you know, uh, uh, even though you slap this woman in the face, you uh-huh. do, uh, I mean, according to the history record, you do take her advice. Yeah. Uh, and you move to Washington where you meet President Kennedy. Oh, uh, yeah. He wasn't president then. Uh, no, no. He was just John F. Kennedy. Yeah. Um, and just, again, just let me say how sorry I am that he was assassinated <sighs> with you in the car next to him. Oh, it's yeah. just, yeah, the nation mourned. Um, tell me about the early years of your marriage. Like, you're together. You, you have a life together in Virginia. It sounds lovely. You know, I mean, you do. And I'm, I'm so sorry about I'm, I'm I, really sorry to have heard oh. that you had your miscarriage. And oh, then a year yeah. later, giving birth to a stillborn child. Like, I mean, but besides that, like, how was your life then? Yeah, I mean, I mean, there are bumps along the road yes. always, uh, but uh, you know, those those early days were really nice, mm-hmm. uh, really great. Uh, we both had a, a connection. Uh, we both loved, uh, you know, art, music, things like that. Um, he, of course. Uh, you know, loved women. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, uh, I wasn't going to bring that up, I, but you know, I uh, the there is some rumor that he had dalliances outside of marriage. Uh-huh, exactly, yeah. very similar to my father. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's you know that's when I go. That's you know that's when I I start my new fan fictions. Mm-hmm. I got my new pranks out. Uh, you know, that's I, I go to the oh, stuff so I love. You're still doing pranks at this point in your life. At oh this gosh, stage in your life. pranks never leave. Yeah, <laughs> once a prankster, always. Yeah, that's I mean. Do you? I mean, uh, you know, I'm so sorry to bring this up. I know it's such a dark part of your life and of our nation's history when uh you know president kennedy was assassinated was there a part of you that thought maybe this was one of your own pranks just gone awry i did for a second and mm-hmm. i was like oh Had, no did, did, this is reminding me of vassar oh. yeah where we staged uh the the death of of my friend marcia okay. uh because her, her she wanted her parents to uh regret uh sending her to school she's like i'm gonna show them mm-hmm. uh we staged her death uh and you know it was great fun she Finally got to the school she wanted. She wanted to go to Yale. She went there. Mm-hmm. So, uh, so I was like, "Oh, wait, what? Did I plan this?" But I did not. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, it was it was a really sad, yeah. very sad moment. Um, now, as I, as I before mentioned, you did have a little bit of trouble, um, you know, getting pregnant and you know having yeah. a, a live child. But you did eventually have two successful mm-hmm. pregnant pregnancies with uh, Carolyn and John F. Yeah, Kennedy not, Jr. Not, not that funny, yeah. Uh, <laughs> 
And this is right right around the time that President Kennedy was campaigning for for political office That's for right. um for for president. Mm-hmm. Uh, was that at all difficult for you? You know, you're you're you're, you're you you know you have a child, you're pregnant with a second one, you're you're really nervous because obviously you, you'd had trouble in the past. You yeah. know, uh, was it hard for you to do? Yeah, it was hard, but I know you know inside I'm uh I'm like uh this blood of steel right mm-hmm. here. Uh, yeah, I knew I'm a I'm a a badass out there, and yeah. so I was like, you know, I got this. Yeah. I got this, and uh, I'll take care of it. And uh, yeah, so you know what? What else you got? What else you got? <laughs> what else world? you got? Life. Yeah, life. World. There, well, there I'll is more. Uh, I understand that you did a weekly column um, while you were pregnant to help with a campaign called yeah. uh, Campaign Wife, mm. uh, where you'd answer letters and you know give yeah. advice. I wanted to call it Campaign Life, but then mm-hmm. they were like, "Oh, but then who's talking?" Mm-hmm. And, and then I was like, oh, "I guess wife." Yeah, I, I guess get it. So. I understand. Yeah. I mean, it clears things up. I think for yeah. the uh, for the general audience. Sure. Um, do you have any pieces of advice that you remember from that column? Like anything that you could. Relay to our listeners. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, when you're on the when you're busy out on the campaign trail, you gotta like give yourself like a moment. You mm-hmm. gotta like take some time for yourself. And whether that's just like you know um, taking like a, a sleeping pill, just like hey, I'm gonna knock you off for a little bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, take care. Self care. Mm-hmm. Self care is most important. Self medication. Self medication. So Jack. So, so you, yeah. Jacqueline Kennedy, at this point, just Jacqueline Kennedy. Yeah. Uh, you would you would write in your column. You would advise for women opiates, to self medicate. Opiates, you, yeah, really, oh, you would yeah. Oh, totally. Tell women to self prescribe I mean, opiates. Is, yeah, that was the time. It was real popular. <laughs> okay, uh, but I mean, since then, I'm like, oh. Probably not great advice, but we were getting a lot of bad advice then. I also smoked a lot mm-hmm. um, of cigarettes, so yeah. I mean, that was okay at the time. Gotcha. So now, of all the things that stand about about your time as first lady, being a fashion icon seems to be oh, yeah. one of the most lasting impressions that you had on the culture. Uh, it seems like style was really important to you at the time. Yes. You know, I read Still that. Is. Oh yeah. Yeah. Oh, I mean, maybe you and your and and the other first ladies. Is this? Oh, absolutely. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I, I didn't get to be one of the most popular first ladies by just kind of hanging back and doing what everyone else is doing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You, if you want to be popular, you got to get out there. You got to be, you know, you got to be the first steps mm-hmm. in the sand. That's what you got to do. Mm. And then everyone else follows. Okay. Um, well, I read that that you would typically spend fifty thousand dollars more than John F. Kennedy made from his salary as president on clothing. Is that correct? Yeah, that's absolutely correct. Oh and wow! You know what? You gotta you gotta spend money to make money, right? All right. So, well, just let me dial that back for a second. Yeah. Would you say that you would you were accumulating wealth by having all these extravagant outfits? Well, you know, you gotta build your. Like, you got to build your image. You got to build mm-hmm. everything up for yourself. So it's like, uh, what are they going to remember mm-hmm. after this? It's like, yeah, you got to leave them with you got to leave them with something. You got to leave them with more. Right? All right. So that was a worthwhile investment. Oh, yeah. It was an investment in uh, my image mm-hmm. and, and my brand. And uh, and so I don't regret it. Yeah. Yeah. Now, then, of course, there is the tragic day that, you know, your husband <sighs> was assassinated by Lee Harvey Oswald. Mm-hmm. And you did mention that this was... You know, a crime that you were still looking for vengeance on? Is that correct? Yes, great? absolutely. Every day. All right. Now, so just, um, you know, walk, walk us all through it. You know, like your, your husband is shot in front of you. And again, I'm so sorry that this, <sighs> that this happened. Yeah. National tragedy. Um, you know, and then, then what is it? One day, two days later, you start calling up the other first ladies yeah. and start getting the squad together? Oh, yeah. And, and we gain more on the way. I mean, really? uh, yeah. Na- old Nancy, mm-hmm. Nancy Reagan, uh, Lady Bird Johnson, mm-hmm. um, uh, Michelle Obama. Uh, oh, she's yeah. already in the squad. She's already in the squad, yeah. Okay. Once you become a first lady, um, then you go through the application process and mm-hmm. you, you get to join the squad. Okay. Oh, yeah. That, my well, squad I'm, rolls deep. I'm just curious because you, you, you seem to have accumulated so many incredible women, mm-hmm. you know, and it's been so long and so much has been written about this 
Like, what do you feel like you have left to accomplish here? Oh, man, the moon. Yeah, I, you know, I really want to just like, you know, because I, I, you know, Star Wars is based on me. I've been to space, mm-hmm. but like the moon, I haven't really been, been hanging out. No, there. I meant in, in relation to the murder. Like, uh, oh, the I murder? mean, I'm fascinated by that. Oh. I am fascinated by that. Okay. And the fact that you. You feel like you need to go to the moon yeah. specifically, yeah. but um, like, yeah, what are you, what are you going to accomplish in, as as far as your husband's murder goes? Oh, oh yes, as soon as we find out, because you know, Leo Oswald was a pawn. Uh, oh, so this is something that you've discovered. A, already. It's a bigger thing, yeah. Okay. Oh, it's bigger. This goes all the way to the top, mm-hmm. and uh, and so we're still going to, you know, my my squad and I, uh, you know, with all my pranks, I've uh, amassed a knowledge of explosives and Ooh. weaponry, and oh, wow. yeah, uh, judo, aikido. Now all... I hesitate to ask: Did you have a problem with the Charlie's Angel franchise? I did. Because, oh, yes, absolutely. Yes, just... that was also that was my squad. Also, uh. <laughs> that Pamela Anderson show VIP. Remember mm-hmm. that? I vaguely remember yeah, VIP. Very yeah, yeah, also oh, very my. much like this my is uh, this is fascinating. I feel like we're learning that. Uh, Ripley, do you believe this? Uh, or not? <laughs> no, I do. <laughs> Didn't answer my question. <laughs> I, of course, I do. All right. So um, before I get to my next question, um, I just want to say uh, how sorry I am that your third child died three months uh, before your husband killed the Harvey Oswald. Um, oh. I understand that uh, after your husband's death. Um, Robert Kennedy, his brother, um, uh, spent a lot of time with you, helped raise the children, comforted you. Is that the case? Was that Mm -hmm. the nature of your relationship? Yeah, no, yeah. Yeah, he was great. He was a great help. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't a, um, it wasn't any, in any way, an intimate relationship. It was just, you know. Oh, no, no. I mean, I mean, he wanted it, but I was like, you know, I. uh, Very confident in you, Jackie Kennedy. Yeah, I had a lot of uh, uh, suitors at the time, Mm -hmm. um, but you know what? I was like, uh, you know what? This is what I don't need right now. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm gonna uh, keep it 100. Gotcha. And, yeah. But you still were close. You still were. Uh, yes. Yeah. Still, yeah. We're still. Yeah, we were mm-hmm. close at the time. Gotcha. Um, well, then in that case, I'm just really sorry to hear that he was yeah. uh, shot and killed after winning the California California primary. I'm really sorry. Yeah. That that oh was, uh, yeah. There's been there's been a lot of bumps on this road. Well, there will be yeah. more. Uh, in in doing a little bit of research for this interview, I learned that you spent your later years. Uh, in publishing mm-hmm. um, and also working to preserve historic buildings, which, you know, when I read that, I was like, I would hate buildings if I had been through, you know, what, I mean, that's oh. where the man who shot your husband was. I mean, so, you know, uh, theoretically, that's yeah. where he shot from. Yeah. Um, but what drew you to publishing at that point in your life? Oh, well, I mean, the, books have always been a passion for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I've, I wrote, I even wrote one, you know? Mm-hmm. So like, I knew that like, oh, you know what? I, I got this book thing down. That's something I know that I can go through. And I and since my time at Vogue, I hate magazines. That's mm-hmm. something I don't like. So okay. I said, you know, these books, that's let's that's that's kind of like a comfort place for me. Gotcha. So that's why I went into publishing. Did you ever try to get any of your early works? I know that you wrote a little bit of fantasy. Oh, yeah. uh, you know, fantasy. when when you were trying to get through some of the trauma of your of your uh, your father in the childhood. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, like, did you ever try to get any of your original fantasy novels published? Uh, no, I thought you know they're just those are for me. Okay. Th- th- those those are for the jacks. Mm-hmm. Uh, so uh, and because you know there's like some things it's just like oh that's not for public consumption. Gotcha. It's just for me and uh, I'm a very private person. Mm-hmm. I'm sure you found that out in your research. So I did. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, which is I mean another reason why I found it so interesting that you would have such a um a love of fashion and a mm-hmm. love of uh, dressing in a way that would be eye catching. You know it's. Sort of like um, a little bit coy to say like, oh, pay attention to me, but I'm going to be remain private. Would you? Is, yeah. is that a fair assumption? Uh, 
I mean, I don't, I don't talk about what you're wearing and how you live your life, Jared. Mm -hmm. so, All right. Well, I mean, I don't. Uh, mean, yeah, I'm just like. No uh, need to get aggressive. Yeah. Okay. Sorry. It's just a lot. Been a lot of stuff happening to me. Mm -hmm. yeah. uh, so I like like to dress the way I want. Mm -hmm. And if uh, if anyone has a problem with that, if anyone wants to mansplain to me how I should dress <laughs> and uh, uh, you know hold myself when I walk through New York City, uh, yeah, they're welcome to it. But uh, I still, you know, uh, respect my privacy. Mm -hmm. Understood. Um, I mean, I know that you worked a lot in uh, autobiographical yes. uh, publishing. Mm -hmm. um, were there any celebrities or notable people whose uh, memoirs you helped publish that were help maybe help get you through some of the tragedies in your life, which include the the miscarriage, the stillborn child, oh, yeah, it's <laughs> the a two lot of... husbands dying, uh -huh. the, the, the every time the, you bring them up, uncle, it's, uh, it's your children's still, uncle yeah. was shot uh -huh. when he won the California primary. Yeah. Like like maybe maybe that work was helping you through that. Um, yeah, some some of the uh, the biographies that I helped out with uh, Mickey Mantle. Mm -hmm. um, <laughs> Uh, Sir Arthur Conan Doyle, mm -hmm. uh, Cher. Oh, you uh, worked with his share. Yeah, her, yeah, uh -huh. her autobiography. Her biography, uh huh. Oh, All of them. Yeah, and so wow. it's been a, it's been a road, and um, yeah, just like going through their stories because mm -hmm. I know that um, mine was really shitty. Mm -hmm. So sometimes when others are also shitty, it helps me. Gotcha. Understand. Yeah. I mean, I know that at one point you were worried for the safety of your children because uh -huh. of all of the. Uh, tragedy had been falling your right. family, which again includes. No need to list them. No need to list them. They're no, no, no. I take pleasure in it. Yes, you seem to really, you know, wow. I had almost forgotten all of them before you brought them up. You know, that's like, oh, I, I don't live with those things every day in my life. Okay, great. I need some fucking punk to bring them up to me. Every day. Okay. Oh, I'm, I apologize. I apologize. Yeah, but, no, that's uh, okay. No. Okay. Um, so, yeah, uh, Jacqueline Kennedy Onassis, thank you so much for being with us here thank today. You. And um, just me. as I wrap things up, I just want to say how sorry I am, dude. Okay. No, that's all. Oh, wow. oh, my God. Oh. I almost don't believe this. <laughs> yes, I cannot believe that I'm here doing this. Sorry to hear oh. that your stepson died in a plane crash, just like your son, JFK Jr., did uh -huh. in 1999. Right, right. Uh, uh -huh. So that's it for this week's episode of Famous Dead People. Uh, I'd like to thank my guests, Robert Ripley and Jack the Kennedy Onassis, for joining us in the studio today. I have one final question I know for you both. It's a little bit weird, um, but I like to end every show by asking my guests if they'd like to plug a comedy show or a funny Twitter account or anything like that. I know it's weird, but... No, it's not weird at all. I I believe it. Um, <laughs> I uh, I do. I only follow uh, one person on on Twitter. Okay, that's of course Sam Rogal, S A M R O G A L, and that's the same name on Instagram. And uh, I'm a big fan of his in general. Okay. Uh, uh, I I also you know I love attending shows at the Magnet Theater. Oh my gosh, mm. that's also something I enjoy. Yeah, doing. I, oh, Jackie uh, Kennedy, it does. Oh yeah, the theater. Oh, oh wonderful. Yes. They have shows you know seven nights a week. I would especially recommend shows on Wednesdays and Fridays. Those are mm -hmm. two really, you know, you got Megawatt and you got Friday Night Show. Really some fantastic programming on those two nights mm -hmm. over at the good old Magnet Theater. Mm -hmm. Well, you know, and Mr. Ripley, they don't just have shows. What? They also teach classes. Oh, I don't believe yes, it. It's improv, sketch comedy, storytelling, and wow. musical improv. Oh my goodness. Yes, I can't, yeah. Mm -hmm. Jackie Kennedy, is that something that you've had experience it, with? It is. I also do enjoy the Magnet Theater mm -hmm. uh, for their fine programming, mm -hmm. uh, especially on Thursday nights at 8 o'clock for a team called Junior Varsity, mm -hmm. who I especially enjoy. Uh, mm -hmm. And also, you know, as you mentioned, the Twitter, mm -hmm. uh, that's something also um, at Gray Megan is someone I do enjoy. I also mm -hmm. only follow uh, him. Is that Gray with an E or Gray it's, with an it's A? It's G-R-A-Y-M-E-G-A-N. Mm -hmm. um, so cause don't even put any H's in there because mm -hmm. they don't belong there. So uh, that's, you know, she's she's. Oh, 
Always ribald. Mm -hmm. yeah. All right. If you have any questions you'd like to ask your favorite dead person, please email that to us at famousdeadpeopleshow at gmail.com. We'll try to have them on as soon as we can. We are here every Monday at 3 p.m. on Radio Free Brooklyn. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll see you guys next week. Oh, famous dead people, famous dead people, famous dead people.